Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. And I remember a movie in the year 2000. I was 12 years old, all right? In the year 2000, all right? I'm 32, all right? In the year 2000, you guys remember, by the way, 2000, Y2K? I mean, that was supposed to be crazy, right? Nothing happened, all right? Uh, uh, it was a little bit of pandem- pandemonium back then. I remember going to the, uh, to the stores back then in, 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 in the Y2K season, December 31st, 1999, all right? And the water, water was being bought out of control and so forth. Nothing happened, all right? Similar to today. But I remember in the year 2000, a movie came out and I watched with the, my family. It was a comedy uh, called uh, Bedazzled. You guys remember the, the movie Bedazzled with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley? If you guys remember the movie, uh, if Brendan Fraser falls in love with a beautiful co-worker of his and he wants, to, he wants to be with her, he wants to fall in love with her, but Satan is the beautiful Elizabeth Hurley. And to, to help Brendan Fraser out a little bit, Brendan, uh, she, uh, the devil who's disguised as this beautiful woman in Elizabeth Hurley, uh, tells Brendan Fraser, if you sell me your soul, I'll give you seven wishes. And the hope with those seven wishes is that Brendan Fraser will, uh, will make his coworker fall in love with, himself, with, with him. All right. And if you remember throughout the movie, Brendan Fraser is so funny. He becomes a drug lord. He becomes a seven foot uh, basketball player. All right. And then he also becomes like this uh, emotional, poetic kind of guy with the sweater, you know, the whole ten- tennis sweater tied around him. And he's trying to earn and win the love of his coworker, but can never, abs- can never do it under that criteria. All the while, his soul is sold to Satan and be- having these seven wishes. He's starting to feel like it wasn't worth it. He's starting to feel like he's lost himself. He's starting to feel like this was not a good deal. The title of my message this morning is called, Is It Worth It? Go ahead and write it on the chat right now. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? I want to be engaging in this topic this morning in regards to Mark chapter 8. Is it worth it? I believe that Jesus, what he's doing right now is asking two significant questions. Right now, this whole passage is in red. And in my Bible, when it's red, it's the part that you got to really listen to. It's the important part. And not only the red part, but when Jesus asks a question, it's very significant. It's not because Jesus doesn't know the answer. Jesus knows the answer. But these questions that he asks are always significant learning moments for follow his followers, for people. That's why he says the crowd was there and the disciples, he, he said, uh, he called the crowd to him and the disciples around. He said, come on, come on in here. I want to teach you something. And he says this, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit or lose his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? My first point this morning that you need to realize as we end our healthy soul is that your soul is completely valuable. Your soul is invaluable. Let me tell you how valuable your soul is. Your soul is so valuable that Jesus is asking the very question, what in in the entire world is worth you, boo-boo? Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? What in the whole entire world 
is worth you. Remember, the soul is defined as you, the inner you, the real you, like the toothpaste that comes out. That's you, all right? The, the real you, the, your soul is you, is you. And Jesus is saying, what can you gain in this whole world? At the same, what, is, what is it to gain the whole world but lose you? Oh, let me tell you, we lose each, each other every single day. It seems like in this culture that we live in because we are trying to gain things in this world all the while putting Christ in the backseat. You know what I'm saying? Or never following Christ, all right? So he asks him this significant, significant question. And then he also says, what can you give in exchange for your soul? In other words, what are you going to sell your soul for? All right. Let me tell you how valuable your soul is. Your soul is so valuable. Uh, Psalms 139 says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he knew your, your name. Uh, I, I believe I have the scripture here. It says this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Before you knew you, God knew you. Let me tell you how valuable your soul is. Your soul is so valuable the day that you came to Jesus, even the angels threw a party in heaven. Your soul is so valuable, it was worth dying for. Your soul is so valuable, there was no payment that the earth could pay for your soul because it didn't have enough to pay for it. Oh, come on, not good news. All right, the world couldn't afford it. So guess what God had to do? God had to send its precious, most gracious, amazing person, the creator of the cosmos, had to step down from glory, be born from a virgin and die on a cross because that was the only payment that would suffice for your soul. Come on, someone. All right, your soul is so valuable that Jesus himself would hang on a cross for six years hours on the cross that's how valuable your soul is to God and the reason I'm talking about you being valuable because you and I both do this to each other we talk down to each other we tell each other we're not good enough we tell each other that we have low self-esteem maybe some of us were dealing with insecurities we, we talk down and a lot of times the devil's like yeah you keep doing that because I like the way that sounds. All the while, I'm telling you right now that God loves you. You might not like you. You might be tired of you. But let me tell you, God is in love with you. And you might say, Pastor Michael, I don't like me because I make mistakes. But God understands that. Don't you think God knows that? God, in this world right now, there's 7 billion people. All right? And this is just this time. Can you imagine every generation? God knows that we make mistakes, but yet he still loves you and he's still reaching out your, uh, his hand for you. I love what the apostle Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners, the chief of sinners, but Paul discovered the grace of God. And I believe that God wants you to discover such a grace in COVID-19 that he's gonna supply his grace for you to get through this season. So in other words, your soul is invaluable. Can I ask you a question? What is the guiding force and the guiding principle of your life right now? Because I believe that's exactly what Jesus, we're getting real in this message, by the way. All right, because Jesus is going deep right here in Mark chapter 8. All right, and by the way, Mark chapter 8 is all about spiritual blindness. 
The Pharisees can't see Jesus as the Messiah or the Christ. At times, the, the disciples can't see that he's Christ. And then remember, he heals a man halfway through, but he's actually, I believe he may be, he's blind or have been born blind. And he heals him kind of halfway through. And remember, he says, I see things that look like trees, but he doesn't see quite clearly yet. And the whole, what Mark chapter eight is trying to tell us, are we, is, are we seeing Christ clearly? Oh, come on, y'all. In COVID-19, are you seeing Christ clearly right now? Right now, you may be not seeing him clearly, but the objective and the goal is that he would reveal himself clearly to you as you pursue him, as you look up to him, as you follow him in this season. So he says, what good is it, man? Good, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world? What, what is the guiding force of your life right now? What is the guiding principle of your life? Every man is ruled, every woman is ruled by someone or something in in their life. For you, maybe the guiding force and for many right now is money. I will never forget a story. I remember when I was getting ready to transfer from a community college to a university. I remember I wanted to transfer to Cal Poly Pomona. Shout out to all the amazing engineers out there. Great engineering program. And I remember doing my devotion time at a Starbucks off Barranca in Covina. All right. And uh, um, I remember sitting down with God for a moment and and, and kind of writing my prayer about transferring. And I remember God struck my heart. He said, Michael, why do you want to be an engineer? And I wanted to be uh, a civil engineer, actually. And, the, and I had toured their facilities. It was amazing. I had family members that went there. And all the while I was saved and I had this voice within my heart. I believe the Holy Spirit telling me, Michael, why do you want to do that? And the guiding principle of that decision was because I wanted to be taken care of. I wanted to have a, a good career and money was the root of me choosing that career. And let me tell you, I'm not putting anyone down who has made decisions like that. Good for you. But I want you to know what the Bible is saying right now. What is the guiding principle and the guiding force of your life? What is the thing that ultimately you're measuring your decisions by? Oh, come on, boo-boo. All right. I feel like preaching today. All right. I remember God said, why do you want that? And I said, because I want to be taken care of. I want to have enough money for my family. I grew up poor. I started work at 15, 16 years old because we didn't have anything. And I remember God telling me that's not your purpose in this life. It's not to just accumulate, accumulate and live for comfort and live for self. And I'll be talking about that. All right. I remember God telling me and I can see that he, as it has unfolded in my life, that I have a purpose and I have a mission in this life. And I'm supposed to live with an amazing message, the message of redemption and salvation. And the Bible is saying right now to you and to me, what is it for, the man to, for a man to gain the whole world yet lose his very or her very self? Let me tell you what the Bible is saying, what Jesus is saying. He's saying, it's not worth it. Come on, y'all. That's the title of my message. Is it worth it? So the guiding principle, what is it for you? Is it money? Is it popularity? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Let me tell you, these are all cheap things. uh, That is not a good exchange of the soul. 
because God knows your soul. He developed your soul. He gave life to your soul in the very womb of your mom. At your very conception, he knew you. And let me tell you, he has a life of promise. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, said the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and to give you such a hope. Come on, someone, who am I talking to this morning? So you have to understand that your soul has significant value and it is exactly why the enemy does whatever he can can to rob your soul to destroy your soul because he knows the truth about your soul the value of your soul and so much the so much so that Christ would die for our soul but he tries to lie to us doesn't he so in other words your soul is not worth bargaining for your soul is not up for a debate your soul is not up for a bargain devil there's nothing in this world that can satisfy my soul Let me tell you, your soul was made by the eternal, for the eternal, by the eternal hands of the creator himself. It wasn't just biology. You know, Greeks, just like love, agape, eros, uh, uh, all the other forms of the word love, life is also made up of different, Greeks were smart. They said, we're not just going to call life bios. You know, one of the words for life in, in Greek is bios, which is where we get biology. There's also suke life and zoe life. All right, bio, suke, and zoe. You're like, what is he saying? I'm talking in Greek, or this is the Greek. All right, bios is biology. Suke is your, your soul, psychology. Uh, and suke, what else did I say? I already forgot. What else did I say? My wife's right here on the side. She's watching me. You forgot too? Oh my God, this mess is not that great then. Oh, holy cow. Bio, suke, and zoe. I remember now. Thank you, God. Zoe, zoe life. She's sleeping right now. Zoe life is the spirit-filled life. Watch this, Zoe is the spirit feel like. So bio, biology, uh, uh, biology, your soul, your mind, psychology, and Zoe, your spirit. In other words, your life is not just made up of biology, just bio, biological body. Your life is made up of more than just a body. It's made of a soul. And let me tell you, your soul was made by the eternal hands of God, all right, uh, for the eternal. That's why, because we have this hole this, this whole in our heart. Let me tell you right now. And everything we try to do to stuff this hole with the temporary, it's just not, it's just not enough. Money, fame. How about this? Sin. You know, watch this. Let me just t- take a moment to pause on this. Sin is just a tempor- temporary gratification. All right? It's just a temporary connect- connection. Let me just drop something on y'all real quick. Do you know that sin, do you know that the soul, because we're created by God, longs for connection? Our soul longs for affirmation. Our soul longs for love. Come on, y'all. You know that sin, uh, 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 sin is just a convoluted way of connection. Sin is just a convoluted way of connecting when God desires to connect with us. He's put the eternal inside of us so that we can have true connection with the things that are transcendent above just the temporary. Because what sin does, this convoluted connection, it's counterfeit. Write this in the chat right now. Counterfeit connection. All right. It just temporary. It just gratifies the temporary. And at the end of it, it destroys our soul, leaves us empty and devoid. 
All right? So our soul was meant to exist for eternity, made by the very eternal hands of God our Father for eternity. And let me tell you right now, this world is not enough. The world, the Bible says, will pass away and all the things that dwell within will pass away. God will make a new world. All right? We will have new bodies, a glorified body. Let me tell you things like peace and joy and the love of God, agape love. These things are transcendent beyond just the temporary, all right? That's why our, our soul hungers for them, all right? Here, one thing that Jesus says that is so significant about this passage, he says, it, he says this when he called the crowd and his disciples to him. He says, if anyone would come after me, anyone, watch it, and I love that word, anyone, not the religious, not, not the middle class or the upper class, not, not just the poor, if any person, this means you, wherever you're at right now. If anyone, and that's why I love, what I love about my Jesus is that anyone, I was a anyone, I was a whosoever. Or if anyone would come after me, watch this. This is, this is where it gets real. He says this, he must deny himself and take up three things. Deny himself, he must take up his cross and he must follow me. Let me tell you right now for what's important to know for your soul, to have a healthy soul. Watch this, it sounds weird to say it like this and contradictory, but it's powerful and true, all right? To have a healthy soul means that you are not the center of the universe. Come on, boo-boo. To have a healthy soul is an acknowledgement that, that, you, that your soul is not the center of your, uh, excuse me, that you are not the center of your own life anymore. Wow. Because Jesus says, if you're gonna come after me, you must deny yourself. And that's something that's significant. You might say, Pastor Michael, why would Jesus utter such words? Leaders have done this all the time, by the way. Watch this. You remember uh, Winston Churchill in World War II? He said this, all I offer you is blood, toil, sweat, and tears. How about the great General Garibaldi from Italy? He's telling his soldiers this. He says, I offer neither pay nor, did I say pairs? No. <laughs> I offer neither pay nor quarters nor provisions. I offer only hunger, thirst, forced marches, battles, and death. Let him who loves his country and his heart, uh, not with his lips, only follow me. So leaders have done this all the time. Talking about putting uh, uh, the, the realness and rawness right in front. Jesus is being real with us. He's saying, if you want to come after me, there's something significant that we must all do as followers. We must deny self. That's the thing that we like to do in this world. We're kind of taught to do this in this world. We're kind of taught self-preservation, self-service. Life is about the self. I must get my piece of the pie, boo-boo, all right? I need to get my cut. But see, the thing about Christ is that his, his life emanates with being very selfless. Our God, that who, who, he came to serve and not be served. And this is the, this is the kind of thing that just kind of gets under my skin sometimes. I'll be honest with you with Christians. Because a lot of us sometimes when we believe Christ is I believe Christ plus I'm this. I believe Christ and plus I will do this. But Jesus is saying, you, you don't, you're not getting it. You, you, so you say, you must deny yourself. In other words, he's saying this, you need to get up out of the driver's seat, boo-boo. Take your hands off the steering wheel and get up in the passenger seat because you are no longer in charge and have the sole authority of your life. Wow. You know, that's what it means to call Jesus Lord. 
and Savior. It means God, watch this, and, and here's the t- obviously the title of my message. Is it worth it? Watch this. Is it worth it to get out of the driver's seat of your own life? Is it worth it? It is absolutely worth it. Watch this. For none other than Jesus himself. Because let me tell you, he knows the steering wheel better than you. He knows how to press the brake and the gas pedal way better than you. I don't know about you and where you've been at in your life, but I've crashed my vehicle so many times. I've gone down paths that I should have never gone down. But ever since the day I gave my life to Jesus and I said, take it, take it. Let me tell you, he's never led me astray. The Bible says in Psalm 23, he leads me on paths of righteousness for his his sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil for the Lord my God is with me. Oh, come on, someone. Right now, I'm talking to someone right now. And you may not be liking this message because it's talking about deny self. And you like a lot of things. Oh, we're humans. You're saying, is it worth it to follow Jesus? I can just tell you a story. I'll never forget the day I got saved. I believe it was in 2006. And like many, mo- m- many people who go to church for the first time, me being one of them at one point in my life, I sat in the very back in the shadows. You know what I'm saying? We're like, no one sees you. Like, I don't want to be way up there where people are like, what are they doing? That was me. I was like, me and my dad actually, we're like in the back, right? I'll never forget my pastor who I didn't know at the time and who I would get to know, an amazing man, Dr. Jim Reeve. I remember I was sitting at the very back, the stadium seats, And he would say something like this. If you want to give your life to Jesus, no one's looking. Private moment. Here I'm only 18 years old. Just raise your hand. And I remember from the very back and I thought, man, I don't think he sees me, but I hope God sees me. I remember, I, I remember even just before raising my hand, I remember there was two voices in my spirit, in my heart, in my soul. You know, like that angel and, and like that, that demon on the side. Michael, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't, don't give your life to Jesus. This is all sham. And I remember hearing a gentle, another uh, knock on my heart, another soft, quiet, gentle whisper. Michael, I'm not going to beat down your life. I'm going to ask you a very significant question. Would you, would you allow me to be in the driver's seat of your life? And giving my trust and my hope and my desire to Jesus, I remember just raising my hand with, with, with joy and a little bit of fear. I'll never forget the next thing my, my pastor asked to do. We don't do this nowadays. Consider old-fashioned. Can you believe this? It was like yesterday. I remember my pastor would say, you know, if you, gave your, if you raised your hand, I want you to do one more thing. So I, wanted, I want you to take a stand for Jesus. And I'm like, oh, man. Now I, I, just, I, I did the best I can in raising my hand, giving him my life. And now, now you're asking me to take a stand for Jesus? Man, I don't know. I'm, I'm in the back, man. So it's a long walk. You know what I'm saying? And all I can think of is like, man, I'm just going to give, I'm, I, I was making a physical um, uh, choice, not just a mental choice by literally taking steps forward, not going backward with my life anymore. I remember I took the longest walk I felt like in my life. I made the stand. I started walking toward the front of the altar. And I'll never forget, that's the day I gave my life to Jesus my heart being regenerated, excuse me. Uh, God has never led me astray, never led me astray. And even in a season like this, so powerful because I have a joy and a hope that the world can never take away. Never, excuse me, getting emotional a little bit. 
I f- and look, look what he says here in, uh, at the end of the verse. He says this, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed. And remember, he's talking to everybody, disciples and the crowd. He said, If anyone is ashamed of me, And my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. You might say, why adulterous? Because these were the people of Israel. This was their God. And they're cheating on God, all right? In this adulterous and sinful generation, the the Son of Man will also be ashamed of Him when He comes into His Father's glory. You guys remember another scripture that says this, if you don't stand before, if, if you don't make a stand for me before my Father, I won't make a stand before you, before my Father who is in heaven. Let me tell you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I know what, what, where my life, what has become of my life ever since the day I took my hands off the steering wheel. I'm talking to someone today and maybe you've been flirting with the idea of giving your life to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're kind of one foot in and one foot out, which to be honest with you is so many Christians, all right? But God is saying, take your hands off the steering wheel. And if he has to, he'll do it one finger at a time. Because God wants to be in control of your life. Let me tell you, if anyone has control, it's him, boo-boo. Not you. Control is an illusion. All right? Control makes us feel like we have some form of comfort in our life. You know what brings me comfort in my life? Is knowing that I don't have everything under control. God does. And I place my hope and my trust in him. And watch this, something you should know at the end of this verse as he says, if anyone is ashamed of me, very, very, very few times. In fact, in Mark, the book of Mark, they call it the messianic secret because Jesus doesn't really come out and tell everybody he is the Messiah. A lot of times he says, keep it a secret, but then they go tell everyone, right? But now he's appealing uh, to being Messiah right now. And and he's making a bold statement. He said, when I come back, the second coming, you're going to see my glory revealed. In fact, uh, the very next chapter, you see them go to the mountain of transfiguration and uh, and his glory is revealed. All right, to James, Peter, and John. All right. So a significant question. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? God wants to have control of your life. All right. And watch this, a theologian once said this, the more, life is like sand. The more you hold on to it, you just feel like it's letting go. It, it's coming undone. And the tighter you hold on to sand, the faster it goes. Let me tell you what Jesus says is how, what's good for your soul and how you find life. He says this, watch this. If any man will come after me, he must deny himself. In other words, you're not the center of your life anymore. You're, uh, Christ is the center of your life. And watch this, you must take up your cross. Wow, what does that mean, Jesus? You know, if there's any way you wanna scare your believers away or not have any followers, just say that, take up your cross. But Jesus was making a statement here. He's saying, if you truly want to find life calling church, he, he says this, you, he, he turns and says this, you have to understand that you find life when you give it away and you stop trying to hoard it. You know, God gave us life to spend it, not to keep it. There are plenty of times in my life I feel the greatest gratification is when I give my life away. All right, because we're taught most of the time in this world is what can I get out of this world? What can I get? I'm going to do the best. I only got 80 years. I'm going to do the best to get whatever I can out of it. You know, when I started walking with Jesus in the very beginning, it was all about what can I get out of this Christ? 
It was all about what can God, I'm going to rub the genie and let's see what Christ can do for me. Heal me, forgive me, 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 me. And the more I matured in my walk, watch this, it no longer became, no longer is. What can I just get out of it? Watch this. It's what can I give to it? Oh, come on, somebody. You know why? You know how we can give as Christians? It's because we've been given so much in his name. Forgiveness, redemption, regeneration, love, unconditional, unmerited favor and grace and wisdom and knowledge and gifts in the Holy Spirit. We've been given every, every single day and given so much that we can continually give. And let me tell you, watch this. God will hold us accountable in this life as Christians for what we will do with what we've been given. Come on, y'all. All right. He, he's not holding you accountable to someone else's gifts and talents. He's holding you accountable to you. All right. What will you do? All right. With what you've been given for much who has been given. All right. There's much due. Come on, someone. All right. God doesn't want you to live this world like most people do. And do whatever they can to get some, get, get, be selfish, self, right, preservation, right? Putting self first and I'm going to get my piece of the pie and I'm going to get whatever I can out of it. Let me tell you, if you want to truly live life and have a happy soul, it's about not what you can get, it's about what you can give. And let me tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ said it himself, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive in this life. And as I close, I'm going to close as, if, as I open the message. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? You know that when Jesus died on the cross, it was worth it for you. It was worth it for your family. It was worth it for your future. It was worth it for your eternity. You might say, this is a hard message, Pastor Michael. And let me tell you, Mark chapter 8, when Jesus says this, it is hard for the for the disciples, but Jesus is promising them a, a, a life worth living. That is an abundant life, not a life like the rest of the world. Let me tell you right now, are you living in a, in a way, you know, have you ever done something that wasn't worthwhile? At the, end of the, at the end of the day, was it like, why did I do that? That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. What, it, what, gain, what is it to gain the whole world? But at the end of it, man, wasn't worth it. Let me tell you, most people at the end of their life, I spent some time with people at the end of their life and they go, you know what? All that wasn't worth it. A lot of people start to discover life at the end of their life because they chase something else. Oh, come on, who am I talking to right now? God doesn't want you to chase an empty desire and at the end of your life be like, filled filled with regret. How about right now? I'm speaking to someone right now. You're 30 years old. Maybe you're 20 years old. You're 18 years old. Maybe you're 40 or 50. Maybe you're even 80 years old right now. And you're wondering, is this Christ thing real? Is it worth it? Let me tell you, if you follow Christ and allow him in the driver's seat of your whole life, you will never regret in your entire life of where he will lead you, what he will do through you, how he will speak to you, how he will heal you. No one have I ever heard said in my life, in my life said, I've regretted a decision of of following Jesus. So as we end our Healthy Soul series this this morning, is it worth it? Is it worth it to continue to pursue Christ? Absolutely, 100%. Your soul is so valuable. And as I end, let me ask you this question. Whatever you're chasing, 
whatever is the dominating force of your life, is that worthwhile over Christ? Let me tell you, make Christ the center of your life. The Bible in chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says this. Um, I'm blanking out here. It says this, first seek the kingdom of God and, all his, and his righteousness and all of these things will be given unto you. In other words, what the Bible is saying, put God's kingdom first in your life and live the life of the kingdom and you don't have to worry about all the other things that the world worries about. He's gonna take care of you in this season. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to the Calling Church. Bring a friend. We would love to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, the Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you.